When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. And we're back for more episode number three, homecoming edition of the BGSU Ziggy Cast. Todd Walker here, glad to be with you. We will look back to the loss to Toledo last week and preview this week's matchup with Western Michigan. We'll have a few thoughts from BGSU senior safety Marcus Milton. Also, my broadcast partner John Gibson will join me to talk BGSU football. And we'll get in the Wayback Machine on this homecoming weekend and visit with former BGSU star Phil Villapiano, who, of course, went on to star with the Oakland Raiders and win a Super Bowl with the Raiders. Phil was a 1968-1970 football Falcon, and we'll get his thoughts later on here in the Ziggy cast. First, though, we'll look back to Saturday's loss to Toledo, and it couldn't have started much worse. After a Rockets field goal drive, the Falcons got a punt blocked, Saw Toledo score a touchdown on a short field and then turned it over on a fumble and another Toledo touchdown on a short field. And just like that, eight minutes in, it was 17-0 Toledo. Bowling Green looked to be dead in the water on its next possession, third and 16 at its own eight-yard line. But somehow, Jared Dagey escaped pressure and threw an off-balance rope down the sideline that R.B. Marlowe hauled in somehow staying inbounds at the Toledo 45 to convert, and that seemed to wake up the Bowling Green offense. 
And six plays later, they found Paydirt, the first of three TDs on the day for Andrew Clare. Shotgun with Clare, the running back. Hendricks up in front, the fullback. Two receivers right, one to the left. The Toledo 15, first and 10. Deggy has the snap, gives it to Clare. Big hole left side to Bowling Green. Touchdown. Touchdown, BGSU. Andrew Clare's not going to ever have an easier touchdown than that one. And Bowling Green is on the board with 2.59 to play in the first quarter. Capping off an 86-yard TD drive and 10 plays. It's Toledo 17, Bowling Green 6. So BG was back in it at that point. The defense overcame a roughing the passer call that negated a stop and forced a Toledo punt anyway. And BG would score quickly thereafter. And again, it was Andrew Clare. Second and 10, BG at its own 40. Back to the fullback setup. Hand off to Claire. Big home right side. Andrew Claire throws on a stiff arm and turns on the speed, and he's going to take it home. Touchdown, BGSU. And there's some Andrew Claire for you. How about that 60 yard run? And Bowling Green is right back in it. 13 seconds into the second quarter. Rockets 17, Bowling Green 13. After that Claire touchdown, Toledo put together an 11 play, 67 yard drive to. Bumped the lead back to 10, but BG would answer. And again, Andrew Clare with the honors. Long count. Deggy has it. Here comes the blitz. Swing it out left side. There's nobody out there. Clare, midfield, 40, 30, 20, 10. Ring it up. Touchdown, BGSU. It's that man again, Andrew Clare. And the BG defense made a big stop after giving up a fourth down on a fake punt. BG on the very next set of downs forced Toledo to give the ball back. And it was Brandon Harris coming through with the big play. Four minutes to go in the half. Toledo leads 24-21. Huge play here. Fourth and eight for Toledo at the BG 39. Shotgun trips to the right. Single receiver left plus a running back. Peters looking to throw. Blitz comes home late. Harris hit him. The ball's incomplete. Brandon Harris with a well-timed blitz delivered the blow, and the ball sailed harmlessly out of the hand of QB Eli Peters. Well short of a receiver. An incomplete pass. First down, Bowling Green. After that play, the BG offense had the ball down three late in the half. They got into field goal range, but the field goal was blocked to preserve a Toledo three-point lead at halftime. BG got the ball to start the third quarter. Unfortunately, they went three and out, and Toledo then went 90 yards in 12 plays to bump their lead to 10 once again. And for the final time of the day, Bowling Green would then cut the lead back to three with a 15-play, 84-yard drive, and it was Q with the six. First and goal at the eight. Shotgun for Daigie. Claire is with him. Two receivers to each side, not split out very wide. Motion right to left with Scotty Miller. Now three receivers over there. Deggy looking that way. Pressured, steps up, breaks a tackle, throws to the end zone. There's a push. There's Quentin Morris with a great grab. He's got a Bowling Green touchdown. Touchdown, BGSU. But hold the phone. We got a flag. Nope, it's going against Toledo. Touchdown, Falcons. After Toledo missed a field goal on its next possession, the Bowling Green offense had its third and then fourth chance to take the lead with the ball down three. Early in the fourth quarter, they went three and out. The defense held Toledo in BG's end, forced them to punt, 
Falcons were pinned at the one-yard line. Looked like they had converted on third down, but they called it an illegal forward pass. Said Jared Dagey was passed to the line of scrimmage. That was a bone of contention, to say the least. After a short punt, BG saw Toledo score to go up 10. Falcons went three and out. Falcon the Rockets scored again to make it a 17-point lead. Bowling Green went three and out, turning it over on downs. Toledo scored to make it 52-28. BG added a late touchdown from Jared Dagey to Scotty Miller. Final score, 52-36 in favor of the Rockets. After the game, head coach Mike Jenks talked about the loss to Toledo. A loss is a loss. Uh, we're getting better. We're getting better. I've seen everything in practice. You know? So uh, we've got to continue to improve. We've got to continue to work. Uh, our kids are playing hard for us. Uh, we've got to continue to keep them motivated. Um, we've got to continue to keep them believing. Um, you know, the rest of the season is going to be just like this. I think there's going to be a lot of parity with, with the games that uh, we have left coming up. It was another painful loss in this series for BGSU. Earlier this week, I talked with Falcon safety Marcus Milton about that. I, I know all losses hurt to some degree. This one, uh, did this linger a little longer than most? Uh, yes, sir. Um, they beat us, I believe, eight straight, well, nine now, nine straight years. So um, I've been I've been here for four straight years and haven't won against them. Um, that one hurt a little bit, especially because we had it. Uh, we had an opportunity to win. Just got to find a way to get it. The loss dropped to Bowling Green to 1-5 overall and 0-2 in conference play, heading into this weekend's 3 o'clock game with Western Michigan. Joined now by my broadcast partner, John Gibson, as we continue on the Ziggy cast. Bowling Green, unfortunately, coming off uh, another loss to Toledo in a game that I think is a little bit uh, closer than what the final score indicated. Gibby, if you look at the internals of the game and the stat sheet, I think there were some good things and show that Bowling Green played well for large stretches of the game, but in the end, a 52-36 loss is really all that matters, but as you kind of digest that game now, uh, your thoughts on how much better BG played than they did against Miami, for sure. Well, uh, definitely, I think we saw a much better BG than we did against Miami, I also, but I feel like you know, this game really came down to special teams and special teams mistake. I think it came down to, you know, a couple of short fields, um, you know, due to poor punts, the block punt. Um, and, I, I, this, and finally, I think the, um, you know, the, the turnover, you know, early in the game, you give Toledo the short field, you give them a 17-0 lead and a rivalry game. That's hard to come back. We fought back. You know, we evened it up. We never could get ahead, though. And, you know, I think with that being said, that was the difference in the game. I think special teams is the one place where we can point, where we can say, this is where, you know, the game made mistakes. Now, mind you, there were also mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the offense never, uh, you know, they never capitalized on the opportunities the defense gave. And the defense gave them, you know, a lot of opportunities. And, you know, I think the other thing to point out is uh, the offense had the ball no fewer than four times with a chance to take the lead and failed to do so and ultimately that was the most I think disappointing thing of the whole day Gibby the defense this is not a shutdown defense we get that but they gave the team opportunities after really the offense put them in the big hole in the first place early I think the much maligned defense really deserved a better fate from Saturday yeah without a doubt they gave a a winning effort you know they gave a winning effort I think again you know, without the short fields, if we're not, you're not, if it's not first and 10 from the 30 going in, 
you know, maybe there's a lot, maybe things happen differently, but, you know, Toledo's a good, good team. Uh, you know, I hate to say that, but I mean, they're a good football team and they did what good football teams are supposed to do. They took advantage of the opportunity they were given and they put points on the board. So when we look at the big picture of how this season has progressed, we're at the halfway point and our worst fears have been realized. Uh, the only win has come against an FCS opponent. Uh, the team is 0-2 in league play. I would say the worst game they played all year so far was the Miami game and a game that they needed to be much better. So is this team able to turn it on down the stretch and win three, four, five games? Do you think the possibility is there? I think it is. I think it really depends on what these young men are made of and what it is that they believe and how much, you know, how much the coaching staff, they believe in the coaching staff. Um, I think all of these things are are what we'll see. We're going to see over the course of the next six weeks, you know, what Mike Jinks is made out of. We're going to see what these young men are made out of, what their pride is built like. I think that there is a possibility that they could they could run out for five wins. But it's not going to be easy. This is still not a dominant team. You know, this is not a championship-level team, but it is a team that can go out there and compete. And if they play disciplined football, they can win football games. So the question is, are they going to stay focused long enough to actually do it? And, of course, I think anybody that is around the program uh, would be naive to to think that the team doesn't see some of the outside pressure that's building on uh, frankly trying to force a coaching change i know that you know i think you went through that uh, toward the end of gary blackney's era how hard is it as a player to keep that outside noise out I, you know nowadays i imagine it's harder with the the preponderance of social media but i think even when you played you guys knew that that noise was there how hard is it to concentrate on your own stuff every day when that stuff starts to reach a cacophony you know actually i tell you what maybe i was just aloof but i think because coach blackney had won those two mac championships early in his career he had bought a lot of um he had bought a lot of goodwill mm. so it didn't get big I, I mean i think once it got ugly is when he stepped down yeah. once it got to its ugliest point when it reached its lowest point he was like okay i'm done and, you know, he stepped away and he stayed on the coach the rest of that season. And then Urban came in the next year. So, you know, I don't think that there was ever that drumbeat for because we were always mediocre. You know, we were five and six, my, my five and six for three years right. or for two years. And then my third year is when the bottom fell out. And then, you know, Urban shows up. And so, you know, I, I think with these guys, with it being social media, like I very seriously doubt that any of those guys are going to Blade.com to read the article that Briggs wrote unless somebody told them to read it. Right. Um, I very seriously doubt that any of those guys are, you know, know who the booster is that was the anonymous source. Right. You know, I don't think, I, you know, I don't think this is a situation like we saw at Texas where the boosters were allegedly putting bugs into the kids' ears and, you know, those types of situations. I think we were literally talking about, we're literally talking about a guy who wrote an article from some you know disgruntled bullet disgruntled maybe misguided bowling green fans and you know they stated their opinion and you know they're entitled to it and you know coach the coaching staff i heard coach addressed it today at his presser and you know that's you know everybody's gonna ask, somebody's gonna ask him about it so he addressed it and i mean it is what it is i mean that comes with the job and i think he expects he knows that people are going to have those questions especially when you're not winning so now this team uh, you look at 
defensively, Gibby, I think really is where I was most encouraged from Saturday, other than BG reestablishing its running game. But we know the offense has that capability. Again, I'm not here to remind people of uh, you know, the doomsday defense or the, any of this, but when you look at the internals, defensively it, it was a decent performance. I thought the tackling was as good as we've seen maybe all season. Maybe the defense has finally kind of turned the corner and can give this team solid efforts and keep the the scoring down and keep them in game. Well, I think earlier in the year, you know, I said, you know, it's going to take them about six weeks to get to a point where they are reacting as opposed to thinking because it's because it's a new system. And, you know, that split second of am I supposed to be here or here? That's five yards. And so now we're seeing a team that is now reacting because what they're doing feels more natural and you're seeing some improvement in the defense even though it doesn't you don't see it on the stat sheet you are seeing it on the field and you know the stat sheet the stat sheet lies because you know again you're talking about especially the scoreboard because you're talking about short fields Mm -hmm. you know you you know we're not talking not every one of them touchdowns was not an 80 90 yard drive you know that there was the 190 yard drive where you know and that that's just that's just poor that's just bad but you know there wasn't a ton of 90 yard drives there were a ton of bad situations they were put in give you this week western michigan it's homecoming uh, how does that affect the the players i mean yeah do you really hear more from alums on homecoming week is it is it that big a difference in in preparation for the game you know the the, the matt kriegels the uh the cal bowers <laughs> the vinnie palcos you know those guys show up the kevin o'neill's they pop up. I mean, you know that there's going to be a strong uh, former Falcon contingency. You may even see a couple of the guys that you played with early in their career, earlier in your career, show up. Um, you know that it's going to be a decent crowd. Um, you want to put on, you genuinely want to put on a good show for those people, you know, because you know. I mean, I always knew, hey, people are coming home, and this is pro- this is home for them, and they want something comforting. And what's more comfort- comforting than to sit in the stadium and watch your team kick some butt? Well said, John. We'll see how it turns out. We'll check in again next week for the Ziggy cast. Thanks, Todd. Have a good one. Always great to sit down and talk BGSU football with John Gibson. This week's opponent is the Western Michigan Broncos. The Broncos come in with a mark of 4-2 and two overall and 2-0 and oh in the Mid-American Conference. The last two weeks, they have won league games. Two weeks ago, they beat Miami 40-39, to 39, scoring the winning touchdown with just under three minutes to go in that game. They outgained Miami 562 to 349. Then this past Saturday, a hard-earned 27-24 win in a rivalry game as they beat Eastern Michigan at Waldo Stadium in Kalamazoo. Eastern scored with 20 seconds to go to make the final score a little bit closer. Western trailed in the ballgame 17-14, but late in the third quarter into the fourth, they put together a seven-play 91-yard touchdown drive then forced a three and out and put together an eight-play, 69-yard touchdown drive to take the lead, survived a missed field goal from Eastern, and then saw the Eagles score with just 20 seconds to go to make the final margin 27-24. However, the total yardage in that game was almost equal, 387 to 384, in favor of Western Michigan. This team is built around offense, The Broncos are number one in the Mid-American Conference in total offense and passing offense. They are third in scoring this year. They are second in yards per play, 
and they are number one in the Mid-American Conference in big plays. As far as big plays from scrimmage, 20-plus yards, they lead the league with 34. Same for 30-plus with 16, 40-plus with 12, and 50-plus, seven plays of 50-plus yards from scrimmage. They're a mediocre defensive team. You look at their numbers, Mid-American Conference, they're sixth in total defense, eighth in scoring defense, seventh in yards per play. Their big play receiver is Dwayne Eskridge. He's averaging five catches per game for 116 yards. That yardage per game is tops in the Mid-American Conference. To get a little more in-depth on Western Michigan, let's review my interview with Coach Jinks from Monday night's Coach's Show. Coach, I guess the first thing that uh, jumps out at you is Western Michigan is leading the Mid-American Conference in total offense and and a conference known for pretty prolific offenses over the years. That that tells you something. Uh, what, what's an overview on this Western Michigan offense? What are they doing? balanced um they can hurt you in a multiple in multiple ways um you know they've got a um, big strong dumb quarterback that you know that that knows how to use his weapons um the the thing about i think it, it you know who who knows whether to help or not but i think playing them right after toledo might be a good thing in that those are probably the two most balanced offenses um um, in our conference, and probably two of the more skilled offenses in our in our conference, um, you know, um, they, they use their tight ends. They, um, you know, they're just they're they're good. They're they're good from an offensive standpoint, um, and it's anchored by their offensive line. I think they got two guys on the interior, center and guard, that that are all all, all conference players and played a lot of ball. They don't you don't see them bust many protections and things. They don't have very many negative plays. Um, you know, so it'll it'll definitely be a challenge, but uh, I think it helps a, a ton going against Toledo last week. John Wasink is their quarterback. Doesn't look like he's a much of a dual threat guy, and that's kind of because they don't need him to run the ball. But is he much of a threat to bust out on one? Well, you know, they'll run a, a quarterback draw here and there, but um, not too many design QB run plays. But uh, he's got a big, strong arm. He's got a big, strong arm, and they kind of use their quick game as 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 that quarterback run game. Well, we know the name Jamari Bogan. He's been around for a while. Uh, also, their leading rusher this year is a junior, Levante Bellamy, in fact, is leading the league in rushing at 89 yards a game. Do they use those two guys together, or do they kind of switch them out as the hey, feature back? They're, they're kind of in and out a little bit. And, and again, um, they know they use they use the tight end. You know what I mean? Um, they use a couple of tight ends, matter of fact. And, and, and the, the receivers, you'll see quicks. What you'll notice in this ball game, you know, it's not like Maryland to where, you know, it's it's just so much smoke and mirrors. But there will be a ton of movement, um, you know, pre-stat movement, whether it be the back changing size, whether it be a quick motion here or there. Uh, they really try to keep you, um, you know, they try to take a try to take a advantage of undisciplined eyes. Well, another stat that jumped off the page to me when I look at. Big plays. They lead the Mid-American Conference in big plays. Uh, 34 plays of 20-plus yards or more. 16 plays of 30 yards or more. 12 of 40 yards or more. And 7 50-plus plays from scrimmage. Where are they getting those big plays? Is that mostly in the pass game? Everywhere. 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 They're, they're mul- I mean, they, they have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of weapons, and, and they're, very, they're very multiple in their attacks. So, uh you know, the, the bottom line is, is, is we're going to have to tackle well. We're going to have to continue to be aggressive um, uh, from the, on the back end standpoint, you know what I mean, and challenge 
uh, their receivers, which are going to put our, you know, our safeties, our linebackers at times in one-on-one tackling situations. We've got to bring them to the ground. That's going to be the difference in the ballgame. Specifically, their big play receiver looks to be Dwayne Eskridge. He averages five catches and 116 yards a game. Is, is he doing that with straight speed, or is it uh, something else? Or is he just a guy that's a burner? How's Eskridge uh, A little, a little bit plays? of everything. He can, he can really run. He can really run, and once he catches it in space, he, he can be dynamic, and he can make you miss. So, uh, again, you know, we've got to make sure that we're making it tough and making every pass contested. You know what I mean? We just – and that, that's one of the things that our defense has done a pretty good job of. Uh, you know, they're not just going to give you up, give you a layup. You know, they're going to they're gonna contest each and every throw, and uh, we're going to have to play with confidence and, and, you know, continue to do what we – build on what we uh, got started last week. We'll see how it goes Saturday afternoon as the Falcons entertain Western Michigan. Time now for our feature interview, and this week we – Get in the Wayback Machine and go back to the late 60s to talk with Phil Villapiano. He played for Bowling Green from 1968 through 1970. And I caught up with him on the phone and talked with him about his time at BGSU, starting with how he ended up coming to BGSU from Oakhurst, New Jersey. And believe it or not, it has to do with basketball. My father was a basketball coach at Asbury Park High School, which was a big high school in our area. And he used to go up to the NIT and scout the colleges and, you know, get his, you know, help him with his, uh, you know, his ideas and all that, you know. So, uh, and my father just loved basketball. So we go up there one year, and I can't remember the year. You'd probably do, Todd. And uh, the Fighting Falcons were playing, whoever they were playing, and they beat them up. And uh, and the whole school must have been there. I remember all the, you know, the the school spirit. And I and and then when uh, then when it came time for me to go to college, I never forgot that. And my father said, "Well, Phil, you know, because back in those days, recruiting wasn't a big deal, you know." So he said, "Well, you know." Where, where where would you like to try to go to school? I said, how about that Bowling Green? And he goes, yeah, why don't, why don't we try that? So uh sent some film. You know, we called out there, and they said send some film. And Don Nalen, who was the assistant coach at the time, and I guess he had out-of-staters, and uh, he, he saw my film and invited us out. And next thing I knew, you know, I, I, I came out. About two hours later, I was a Falcon. So it, it just was uh, – it was all about basketball. Phil Villapiano, our guest here on the Ziggy cast. Phil, of course, a BGSU football star and a Super Bowl champion with the Oakland Raiders. Phil, when you came to BG, Bob Gibson was the head coach, but for your last three years, it was Don Nealon who took over as head coach. Take me back to that transition. Yeah, that was really something. You know, uh, I wasn't really used to, uh, you know, uh, every coach I ever had was like an old coach who'd been there forever. And uh, we get there, and um, I'm a freshman, and, and Bob Gibson's a coach, and, you know, I'm trying to impress him because he was a head coach, and I was thinking about, you know, my sophomore year. And then, lo and behold, you know, my sophomore year, uh, Don got the job. So uh, it, it was uh, – I mean, and he's the guy who recruited me, so it was really kind of fun and – it, it was good for me, but 
I just remember, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't remember as much, but here's something, one thing I do remember. I remember we were going to play Marshall, and they had the longest losing streak in the country. And we're getting on the bus, and the word got out that Coach Nalen was going to leave. And, you know, I never forgot the feeling I had of like, oh, my God. And I think, you know, the word got out because we were playing so well under him. It was like we were, you know, we're going to lose our coach. And I remember that. And we go down there and lose to Marshall. And I swear to God, it was because however that rumor got started, you know, that Don was going to leave us, that that hurt. Now, Gibby, you know, he was the, you know, I never really got to play for him. So that one didn't, didn't hurt me as bad, but. Um, just to think about Don leaving was, was not was not good, and then he never did, but, which was good, you know. Phil Villapiano is our guest here on the Ziggy Cast. Phil, your senior season, 1970, was not a good year for BG. Unfortunately, just two wins it snapped a streak of 15 straight winning seasons for the program. It was a tough way for you to go out and. It may have been, however, a turning point for Coach Don Nealon and how he did things, and uh, they would then string together six more winning seasons thereafter. But take me back through your senior season there. Well, yeah, and I, I, I you know, not to not to point any fingers, but you know, um, when I look back, we had a wonderful freshman class, and we had some really good athletes, and I. I, I just think the the program was a little too brutal, and uh, and the guys. I mean, we were we were banging up our own guys, and 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 guys were quitting the team. They should never quit the team, and uh, they you know it just wasn't fun. It was a uh, you know it was an old mentality I think, and uh, you know you had to be pretty pretty tough to stick it out. And uh, we lost a bunch of good players that I think. If they were coached the right way, we could have been really good. I remember our freshman year going up and playing Michigan, and we played them to a six-five ball game. Michigan's freshman, and we, you know, we were good and we were tough, and uh, it was just such a shame to see our. It, it just fell apart, and I, I blame it on. It, it, it was we we beat up our own guys. And and the, and the coaches just weren't, uh, you know, it just they they weren't making it fun, and that's that was a shame. And you know, for me, I just loved football so much. I, it didn't matter to me, but I just I, I I saw the program going downhill, and we couldn't do anything about it because we didn't have the people, we didn't have the skilled people to win the games, and that was that's what happened. And uh, I remember my my brother was three years younger than me. And you know um, they 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 got there and they must have they must have changed some things around because it was only a couple of years after we left that Bowling Green got back on the winning ways. But you know my uh, my senior year was a pathetic. They they got right back. But you know it's the way, you know I was just out in Oakland this past weekend. We had a, a Raider alumni weekend, and we went out there and we watched. I watched the practice and. Nobody even wore a helmet. They had no pads on. They were going full speed, but nobody got touched. 
And that's the way football is nowadays. I think you probably know, know Todd, you know, with the concussions, well, especially at the pro level, with all the money they're paying these guys, they can't afford to lose a guy in practice. And I don't know, but that's the way it was. But I think uh, the, you know, Bowling Green and the way we practiced and the way we hit, you had to lose people because you, know, you just couldn't hold up. And, you know, football is almost like playing roulette, you know, Russian roulette. You know, sooner or later, you know, if you hit so much, you're going to get hurt. And I, and I think maybe Don learned that. I don't know what the practices were like, you know, later on. But, you know, uh, if, when you lose all your good guys, you, you beat them all up. I mean, I remember, hey, Todd, remember one year I had to go into running back because we beat all of our running backs up. You know, that, that might have been uh, my junior year. So, um, yeah, it just, it just wasn't right. But And now you see the pros and you see, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure what they're doing in college, but I'm sure they're – probably following suit, they're, take, they're, they're not hurting their own people. And when you go into opening day, you're fresh and you want to and you wanna play. You know, I mean, my God, I, I remember, well, you know, even with John Madden, he, he killed us in, in, in training camp. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult, uh, that, that old mentality. I think I like the new mentality better. Bill Villapiano, a one-time Bowling Green Falcon, Super Bowl champion, is with us here on the Ziggy Cast. And, Phil, going into your senior year, there was a lot of speculation that you could be drafted. And I know you were hoping to make an impression on the field. Uh, the team wasn't very good, though. So take me to that time and making an impression and some opportunities that you ended up getting to get in front of NFL folks. Yeah, Todd, that was really nutty because, you know, you want to have a good year. You know, um, you, you, you want to be on a winning team, and we, we stunk. And but uh, you know, maybe because our offense was so bad, maybe because the defense was on the field almost the whole game. You know, they got they got to see us play. <laughs> they got to see me play. And uh, I, I, you know, so I kind of was feeling like, oh my God, look at this. You know, this thing is not going to happen. I mean, I you know, I was hearing from a lot of teams. But then I always thought you needed to be on a winning team to get drafted. But um, I remember the day when Dwight Perry called me into his office and Phil said, Phil, we got you a spot on the blue team at the at the, uh, the blue-gray game. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a, a bowl game. And and I went down there, and I, I had a, one of my best games that I ever had, made a ton of tackles. And then I came back, and, uh, and about three or four days later, he called me out of his office again. He goes, hey, Phil. They want you at the senior ball. So between when those two things happened, that really elevated me. And that's, I think that's why, you know, I got to be drafted in the second round. Because it certainly wasn't from uh, our, our, our season. Because <laughs> that wasn't so good. Phil, I wonder if you could uh, relive some of the memories that stick out from your time at BGSU. Yeah. Well, Ed, despite that, I'm sure you have some. Uh, memories that stick out of some of some great performances, either personally or collectively, in your three years that you played on on the varsity level. Are there a few games that stick out to you from your time at BG? Oh yeah, I mean, my God, I I, I just loved playing Toledo. I loved playing Miami. I, you know, all the coach. It, it didn't take very much to get me excited to play football. So, and and one thing, uh, you know, Coach Nalen was good at. 
and it was giving pep talks and uh, Elliot Lusa, Elliot Usulak being there, he was also very good at it. I mean, those coaches, they could get me so fired up. I'm, I, and I would go, you know, a Toledo or a Miami. Oh my God, I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't wait to play, and uh, you know, just tackle everybody. And you know, one of my most fun years was my junior year when I was playing with Joe Green and you know Tom Lloyd and Tom Reletti and you know we had a really good defense really good and uh, I remember going down to West Texas State and back in those days the scouting reports were you know they put the guy's last name down but you didn't know how big he was you didn't know how fast he was so we go down there and we're playing against Dwayne Thomas and Rocky Thompson but it was like a track meet (laughs) I was like well, you know, at least you could have warned us what we were getting into down here, you know, because they were a really good team, really fast, really powerful. And, and, and that, we lost the game, but it was a fun game to be in because, you know, you could test yourself out against some better players. And, uh, you know, we, we I think, um, yeah, I remember we played, our, probably our biggest team we played as seniors was Utah State, which was – Good and uh, that you know that was a that was that was a fun game too and um, you know I just I just remember games I mean I, I remember Don Nottingham oh my God never tackled a guy that was as powerful as that guy and it was me and him all day long for three years and uh, that was I think uh, he probably did some damage to me because he he hit so hard and you know uh, Chuck Ealy I remember playing against him when. You know, that, what, what a scrambler, what a player. And I remember we had him down at Bowling Green. I think it was my junior year. We got him beat. And uh, this guy comes in, and, and the wind is blowing like crazy. And they, the wind stops, and he kicks the field goal. So, anyway, uh, I think that I forgot the, the kicker's name. But what a what a game that was. So, hey, all, all the games against the Mid-American teams, I, I could get really fired up for those. I, I used to enjoy playing those. The Toledo kicker's name, by the way, that beat Bowling Green on that last second kick in 1969 was Ken Kratz. Also, Don Nottingham, Phil was talking about there, played at Kent State. Phil, before we let you go, I'm sure folks would be interested to know how often you get back to Bowling Green. Well, I was there. I, was there to, I try to come back for the Sharpie shootout every year. You know, Glenn Sharp was a, a good friend, and, you know, and I try to give the uh, – the athletic department or the football team some money. So I try to come back out there for the Sharpie shootout. And then, you know, I, I used to come to a, a game or a, a game every year. I tried to make it, but now um, I'm back into the pros quite a bit. I, I usually go to Oakland a couple of times and, you know, I finished up in Buffalo. So I try to get to Buffalo once. And then, you know, if the Bowling Green is, is winning, Oh, you know, they they get on a winning track. I, I usually try to make a game, you know, and a homecoming game is always a lot of fun. That's Phil Villapiano, our guest here on the BGSU Ziggy cast. Unfortunately, Phil will not be in town for this weekend's homecoming festivities, but he is here in spirit, that's for sure. And that's going to wrap up the Ziggy cast for this week. We'll be back with you again next week, talking more BGSU football and We'll see who we come up with for our feature interview next week. Don't forget you can download the podcast and follow us through all the usual suspects, including iTunes and iHeartRadio. We'd appreciate it if you would do that for us 
and get those numbers up there with the BGSU Ziggy Cast. A reminder that Saturday's kickoff time is 3 o'clock for homecoming, and we'll be on the air on the Falcon Sports Radio Network at 2 o'clock with our Medical Mutual pregame show. Until next week, this is Todd Walker saying, I is Ziggy Zumba. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.